welcome to Hairstylist Rising podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hi there, and welcome to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. I am so excited to have Daniel Coy as my guest today. He is a union stage and screen hairdresser, as well as an educator, wig maker, and just all around awesome guy. I'm so excited to have you, Daniel. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you. Mm, So sweet. (laughs) So I wanted to have Daniel on the show today because I love that you have really carved out a really cool niche in the hair industry. I have never had anyone on the podcast before that has gone the route that you have gone to achieve your success. So the whole concept of this podcast is redefining expectations and success path in the beauty industry. So can you tell me a little bit about kind of what you do now? I do hair for TV, film, and Broadway. That's been my, my, I guess, niche. Wigs have been a huge part of my career when I started. I did start on Broadway, 23 Broadway shows. So it was all about quick changes, learning how to work with, you know, custom-made wigs, which most people don't know about. So that's where the education part of my journey has taken me to help enhance that part of the beauty industry because it's a hidden gem on Broadway, you know, and theater, like no one really talks about it. Like the illusion. I know now lace wigs are becoming a popular thing with like the Kardashians and stuff like that. So wigs have been my like forte. So when people like, you know, need a wig or need a recreation of a wig, they, they kind of call me. So yeah, that's been like, I do, you know, personal hairdressing for, you know, stars. I've done TV shows. I've department had some NBC TV shows, network TV shows, in other words, for, for all my Canada friends that are listening now. And like, you know, Netflix, I've done a lot of shows on Netflix. So it's kind of hair and wigs for like TV and film. I love that. Were you young when you started on Broadway? Like, did you get into it like right after hair school? I mean, I have the weirdest, like how I got to where I am path. I can't really, like, I know people always ask, well, how can I be like you? So let's see. So I went to beauty school and I had to have a fallback career. I thought I was going to be, I don't know, this big old drag queen that was going to just like travel the world. So I would do drag at night down the shore at a club called Paradise. And then during the day, I would go to North Jersey and go to beauty school at this Hotsy Totsy, you know, beauty school. I taught the wig class because they had no idea what they were talking about. So I finished cosmetology school. Then I, I passed. have to like let everyone know. If I can pass, anyone can pass. So like, please don't make that a deterrent. Uh, but then I went into a mom and pop shop and worked, you know, as a shampoo boy. And it was not for me. Like, let's say two, three months, maybe four months tops. And I'm like, no. So then I'm like, all right, I was a dry queen. I can go do makeup. So I worked at the lawn comb counter for, well, it was called the lawn comb boutique. So they had it in like malls and you get facials and do all this. So one of their like senior makeup artists 
and I became really close, like really close friends. I would see him at all these events. Mm-hmm. So his roommate, and like we got talking and I said, oh no, I do hair, I'm licensed, blah. And he's like, oh, my roommate does, he's it's a wig supervisor on, you know, Spring Awakening on Broadway. I'm like, oh, cool. And so you know, time goes by and he's like, I get this phone call. Hey, are you free by chance? I'm like, okay. Yeah, Lee Michelle has a problem with her hairdresser. So are you available? We need someone tonight. I said, oh, okay, great. So then I I went to Broadway. I lived like half an hour away. I made it there in like 20 minutes. And then I did my first Broadway show, kind of like thrown into the mix. And Lee Michelle was, you know, not on Glee yet. Like this is all like pre-Glee. She was actually, she actually auditioned for Glee during the time we were together yeah. on the Broadway. So it was kind of a, I guess, right place, new wigs because of my drag. So that kind of like made the department head like really like, oh, you know wigs. Okay, cool. So that's kind of how I started and I, I stayed. Like literally, I stayed, I did all the other Broadway shows. So it's kind of like that, that's how I got into it. And like, it's really odd. So, I mean, so normally if you pick Broadway, like I love Broadway. My kid, my goal was to hit Broadway. So I did. So I'm like, oh, I got it. Yay. Like what else is there to do now? And then I get a phone call when I was on hair on Broadway, which Hair also brought me to the West End to put that show up out there. Uh, But then I got a phone call from the producers on Law & Order Pro Intent that Jeff Goldblum requested me to come in and be his hairdresser. They extended the run. So I don't even know who put my name in for that to this day. To this day, still don't know what little angel put my name in his ear. So that's even more odd. I mean, that's my story Um, (laughs) from there. And then it's just like, you know, just going and jiving and like, like I love wigs. Wigs have always been a part of my thing. So for TV and film, most of my work is like stunt double wigs. So like people who run, people who jump out of buildings, you know, it's never the real actor. So I would get a call like, hey, do you have a blonde wig that looks like this? And they would send me a photo of the back of the actress's head that I would have to match. Yeah. So that's kind of how like my real niche came into play. Not to knock hairdressers from a salon, but they just don't know how to work on a wig as well as someone who truthfully worked on Broadway. And that's all we did. Yeah. So that was like the, the big thing. So they would just call me in to do that. And then I got um, hooked up with Vanessa Williams and she's literally like, like my second mom. Yeah. I mean- when you pull it back then, you got your start doing wigs with your own wigs for drag. That's amazing. Yeah, my mother is a hairdresser too. I should preface this, this. We had a salon in the basement. Once my mom had kids, it was kind of like, okay, fine. She's a stay-at-home mom. But I would play with all her wigs, you know, from the 60s. Like, I would play with all her little wiglets and, like, curl them. And then I became a drag queen. So then she would, like, do some of my wigs for me. And then I went to beauty school. So, you know, my mother was very proud. Still is. So a lot of the times, like, we'll get opportunities. But it really is that intention and the willingness to grab it. You know what I mean? That's the importance of making sure that you're open to those opportunities. I love that story. Well, I I was at that point in my life, like drag took me out of a very dark space in my own life. So like, it was very much, you know, Victoria Styles was her name or is or whatever. So like I had to, I read The Secret. So I really like 
I believe in that putting the intention out there. I believe that visionary board a hundred percent. So I did a visionary board three weeks. Literally, I said, I want to work on Broadway. I want to have a boyfriend. And what was the other thing? It was something else, like really like, or I want my own apartment or something with no roommate. Something really crazy. Three, four weeks later, all of those things were like checked off. <gasps> That's amazing. And for people who don't know, like you, I mean, I'm sure we all know by now, but like, yeah, like that's having an apartment with no roommate in New York, New Jersey, like that is a hell of an accomplishment. <laughs> I had a roommate, but I mean, I would have to do her extensions every week and we would glue them in. And I'm like, oh, I can't handle it anymore. Um, so it was a big deal. I also am a dreamer. I love dreaming. My dreams are so elaborate. Like anything that I do, I do 150%. And then some, I think that's why my social life has really been uh, taking a hit. But, you know, it's the, 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 what you're willing to sacrifice for what you really want. Yeah. And so theater was my life. It still is my life right now. You know, I love it. I can always go back to it, but it is very monotonous. It's the same thing every day. My job is all about continuity. So right. it's about looking at something and keeping it the same way every time. Yeah. If we look at like Phantom of the Opera, for example, they have been open for like 50 years or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So the day it opened to right now looks the same exact way. Right. I never would have thought of that. Is it something that you feel like is like grounding or do you feel like, oh, like you just need to change sometimes? Or do you think that that's what gives you the white space to do your other creative endeavor? endeavor? Oh, okay. So twofold on that. Because it is monotonous and we are in a room that is really small. These theaters have been made, you know, in the, the 1800s and 1900s and they're just so small. Backstages are small and it's running and it's crowded and we're trying to fit like a hundred wigs in one room so it's very tight but then once you know the show it becomes this well-oiled machine yeah. so i've never seen a show that i've ever worked on really i only know it by ear mm -hmm. so i know when she sings ah in her last song i have just enough time to walk downstairs underneath the stage to the other side to get ready for my next cue. So with that, with hair, I created, I had so much time on my hands mm -hmm. and being the creative person that I am, I created a hair care line. So that was like just something to do while I was like doing the Broadway. Mm -hmm. uh, I get very depressed after a show, you know, you're as good as your last gig. So that is very much me. So then I started to create these things. I know after Patti LuPone Gypsy, which was my first full-time Broadway show, it closed and one of the costumers was doing shows at this high school. And so I go to drop him off because it was in New Jersey. And the guy who was running the show was like, do you want to do some wigs? I'm like, sure. So then I, did, I had a whole side business of renting wigs to regional theaters and, and high schools. Wow. You know, but like that's like a whole, like in that... <laughs> They actually paid more than Broadway at the time to just rent wigs from me, you know? So I have this huge wig rental business that I have. So it really opened up different avenues. But then again, I have to be as good as my last show. Okay, gotcha. So that wasn't something then that you actively planned, like I am going to create a wig rental empire. It was, again, an opportunity. And then you reaching out and grabbing it and making it a business. Legit. <laughs> oh, I love that. I think that's something that everyone who's listening should really pay attention to. Like 
sometimes those opportunities are going to float in front of your face and it's up to you whether or not you're going to just be like, oh yeah, nice opportunity and think about it or whether you're going to grab it and take action. I think that's the main difference between doers and thinkers. Yes, a hundred percent. I do feel you have to live on the edge. I mean, to be honest, I'm going to, I mean, I was ready to go at any moment. Do you know what I mean? So any, anything that came up when I was younger, I would just take it. I mean, what, what could happen? You hate me? All right, cool. Do you know what I mean? So that's been like my whole thing, especially if, so now when I start teaching people and like mentoring people, I'm never going to tell you to do something that I have not personally done, you know, and I'm not also going to teach you something that is this long roundabout way where you can just do it this way. Do you know what I mean? Of course, you should know the prim proper way that they've made it in the 1812s. But for nowadays, to work smarter, not harder, and to get to like what really counts, you could just you know take my take my heartaches. Trust me, there's a lot of them. You know, I can make it uh, easy for you. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think like I've seen, I know like even in my area that there's been an increase of like stylists and salons adding wigs to their service menu. And mm-hmm. I think we can thank the Kardashians for that a little bit for, you know, bringing like super mainstream. I know that wigs have been around for, you know, literally centuries, but mm-hmm. it's interesting because I remember the first time I saw Kylie Jenner like fully like rocking a wig and like saying it's a wig. And I thought that was really cool because I know like when I was, you know, when I was younger, it was all about like, you have to be natural. Like everything has to be super, super natural. And I love that like unapologetic, like I can change my look and I don't have to care about it. Like now I don't care if anyone knows I have extensions. Like (laughs) 10 years ago, that was something that I definitely thought about. Like you know, you want them to look like they're natural, obviously, but you know what I mean? I think people are a little bit more about looking a certain way and how we achieve that. I don't think people really care anymore. (laughs) Like they just want what they want, you know, they want it and then they want it now. And instead of frying your hair, we could just have a wig. Yeah. And her wigs. That's awesome. So what is your advice then? Like if, if there's a stylist listening, who's like, you know what? Like I love the concept of wigs, but I don't really know where to start introducing that into my business. What would you say from a application in salon perspective? Yeah. I mean, education is key first and foremost. There is only so much fake it till you make it with wigs because either it will look like a wig or it won't look like a wig, you know? So that's like my first thing is do your research, know what you're getting into Mm -hmm. and know what to charge because by the end of it all, is it really worth that extra if you're only charging $200, mm-hmm. is it really worth that extra $200? So you have to make sure that you have that balance and knowing, you know, knowledge is key in this industry, especially with wigs now, because we do have so many, I'm going to say Halloween store wigs mm-hmm. and have these like costume wigs, so to speak, yeah. that we're missing what a real wig is. You know, most of the time, the wigs you have seen, you don't know that they're a wig. And that's a real wig, you know, like, and that's the difference between a real wig and like, oh, uh, a party wig or even vivid colors. You know, if someone wants to have a vivid color and they want a wig, I know like for cancer patients, a lot of them want a wig, but then they're like, oh, well, it's going to look like a wig. So let's just do it vivid. I'm like, 
okay, cool. I hope you've always wanted this color purple, but it, it's still for the look. But then when it's so beautifully done and it's actually recreating their hairline and they're like, is that your hair? They're like, oh, I should have just made this like my own natural hair. Of course you should have. But it's the education. So you need to educate your client as much as you're willing to educate yourself. Because like, our clients are our walking billboards. Yeah. I know it's going to look amazing when I do it, but how are they going to make it look when they're walking around? Right. Oh, that's such a good point. So like, and for me, that's always been my, my thing. Like with all the celebrities that I have worked with, they have me around there literally like off camera to watch it. Right. You know? So if I do a wig for someone and I send it to them and I'm like, okay, now let's try to put it on. I literally spend like a four hour session just to teach them how to put it on. You know, so it's the education, it's the home education, the products to use. You know, it's not about pushing retail, it's about pushing the products that are gonna make their hair look as good as you did. This even goes back to intention. If your intention is to like give your client the absolute best experience with their wig and, you know, create that confidence. Like that is what it's about. So I love that you really go there. That's awesome. I, I'm also a product whore, just the FYI, just so that you know what works for who. Not all products work for everyone. You know, I have created my own hair care line. I literally created each one for a specific person individually mm-hmm. to work for their hair. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mainstreamed it and brought it that way, but like, your hair cocktail could be anything and you have to teach that to your client too, you know, Mm -hmm. and like not just be brand specific because you can kind of get caught into their own Kool-Aid where there could be something else that could work even better. Like just be open to new things, trying new things, playing with it. I'm, I'm, I'm artsy, so I like to get dirty with it. Like, I want to feel it. I want to know what it's going to do. I want to know the before and after. What is it going to do when I blow it out? What's it going to do if I let it air dry? Because in my world, time is money. You know, we have half an hour. If you work for me, we have half an hour to do our styles. Whether it be a wig, whether it be a ponytail, whether it be bangs, whether it be a haircut, half an hour. We want to also recreate the same thing again and again. You know, a ponytail, I have a two-step ponytail that I do for everything. Mm-hmm. My updos, I put them together as if it was like a puzzle piece Ooh. so that if I need to, the back is separate from the front so that the front I can take out after lunch and restyle it and not ruin the whole shape of the hair. Right. You know, it's like a big part of my job is continuity. So have you ever watched a TV show and like they're talking back and forth and it flips back and forth and her hair changes? How, did it, how did it change? Wait, her bar- she just had a full bang. Why is it to the side? Yeah. And then me, because now I have to write that show off because I'm like, oh, continuity, sorry. Someone should be fired right now. I wait to the end, I see who's the hair person, and I call them. And don't forget the, the bigger the bigger problem is HD cameras, you yeah. know? So now the lace has been a bigger thing and people think they know what HD lace is. So once again, it's that education. You need to know, because people think they want something and they can't handle it. You yeah. know, that's like my bigger thing. I want to make sure I'm giving my client exactly what they need mm-hmm. to be the best that they can do. So 
I've seen some of your wigs and like you would never know, like especially like the hairlines. I know that's something you focus on a lot, right? So when someone gets a wig that like, for me, what my brain thinks is like when I see something that's that delicate and like, okay, is that difficult to care for? Because it's so delicate. Does yes. that make sense? 100% and yes. It is a different, it is not your typical Halloween party city wig. Yes. You know, like I put one hair at a time. Yeah, so it's so delicate and it's so much about the education. Yes. And how you would treat it. Do you know, it's hair, it's the, truthfully, it's the illusion. A hairline is the illusion. What do we, what's the first thing we look at when we look at someone's face? Hairline, most of the time, eyes, lips. So on a Broadway show, we keep the lace on a wig down to like the eyebrow so that when you're looking at it, you the illusion, the hairline is there. So also in a, in a a Broadway show, one person can play like four or five different characters with a different hair color, put a bang on someone. They totally change. You know what I mean? So that is like the bigger part of the, the thing is recreating that hairline that you're like, Oh, that's her hair. That's his hair. So that's the, the real main reason why wigs are very delicate, a true wig, a real wig. And I, I know people have said bespoke wigs and all this is a thing, but it's a wig. Right. It's still a wig. And I know from working with cancer patients, they're very scared of the word wig. Right. You know, that it's, oh, it's not going to look like my hair or, oh, it's going to be too hot and sweaty. But no, a real wig that is made specifically for you is going to fit like a glove. It's going to be like a tailored outfit. Okay. It's going to be like the perfect wedding dress that is tailored to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to go on and fit perfectly. It's not, you're not going to have to like stretch it with like the, the machine ventilated wigs out now. So it's a whole different world. You know, it is the creme de la creme of wigs. And I imagine like it's so, it, that would be something that would be so rewarding if you are working with um, someone who's going through chemo and they've lost their hair, being able to recreate their hairline oh, and man. being able to make them like, look in the mirror and feel like themselves again, that has got to be powerful. It's, it's powerful, emotional and dra- and draining all in the same breath. Right. I yeah. love it so much. I really do. Even if it's not like, even if they come to me a little bit late in the process of their, their chemo and they have already lost their hair, I can look at one of their photos and recreate their hair from that. You yeah. know, so like that part I love. But then when they start crying, I start crying and then they cry more. And it's like this whole thing. So I, I, I'm like, cause then I want to teach them how to maintain it. That's the, the, the thing. So I know you have like a couple books out, two books. I have two oh. books. Yeah. And then you have an online course as well. Yes. That okay. goes basically over those books in more detail. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm curious about then. Like, do you teach like... like you obviously teach how to do the thing. Do you teach your students how they can teach their clients how to care for their wigs and like how to incorporate that? So my, my number one goal first and foremost is to educate on what a real wig is and how we get there, you know? So a one, one wig can take up to 90 hours to make from scratch. So if you have lace and you have the hair to make the wig, I'm just finishing one that I made for a client that we cut off all his hair. He had like 
Um, huge long down hair down to his ass. We literally, I'm gonna be doing a whole video on it. So I'll be able to, hopefully when this comes out, it'll be up. But then you can see the whole process of ventilating, taking the bubble, cutting it off, and you can just see the process of it. So that's the first part. I want people to know what a real wig is, not a, not a stretch back, wefted back wig. Right. And then the fronting of the wig. So, and that's the hairline. You, for me, I can put the perfect hairline onto any wig and make it a million dollars. I can take a $20, truthfully, Party City holiday Halloween wig, cut off the front, lay my lace, copy the hairline, and you wouldn't know the difference. That's the wig hacking part that I really teach because okay. I'm, I'm a smarter, not a harder type of guy. Like, instead of 90 hours, eight and a half to 10 hours to do a whole front. Well, and I would imagine that makes it a lot more accessible for people too because- Accessible and more money. Yeah, for sure. I'm still charging what a full wig would be. I'm not giving any breaks. Yeah. <laughs> and if you know your client is never going to wear their hair in a ponytail, they don't need a hairline in the back of their head. Well, and it's the re end result, right? People are paying you for the result, not how you got there. So Damn. if you're Literally. creating that same result, and that puts more time in your schedule. Legit. And then what that does is it creates more time in your schedule because you've already covered those hours in work. Yeah. You know? And then for me, I, I love to farm out. I'm a big, like, give other people work and pay them for the work. Yeah. But it's hard in my industry because I don't know what quality that they're at. So that's why I really launched this course, not just to, to use this method that has been used on Broadway for so long and to, like, I, I don't want to write it down because probably it's very shady. It's like, I don't want you to see what I'm doing. Like it's this whole big shady catty thing. So that's really why I wanted to create the books, Wigging Out, which literally goes step-by-step step how I do it. You know, like I, I, no fluff. Like don't expect this to be like the background history on, no. Right. <laughs> I'm going to show you a toupee. I'm going to show you a fully wefted wig, a fully ventilated wig, and then a fully hand-tied wig. And you're going to learn, you're going to know all the basics of wig making and then how to front a wig. That is the key. You know, if it's a two-finger front and just the part, I'm going to work smarter, not harder. You know, eight hours for your hairline and four hours for your part. Boom. Done. Yeah. You know, and then I have the business behind wigs. This is, this one is kind of new mm -hmm. because I never really knew how much the salon world needed this information. Yeah. I get so mad at it because <laughs> no one's really teaching it. You know, like when I went to cosmetology school, I brought in a lace wig. They didn't even know what that was. Really? It was very much, oh, you have your grandma yet a wig. You know, they think it's that little shake and go. So... I think we do need education. Education is so important, you know, and I, I've not been to official traditional school for wig making. Mm -hmm. Like I just, this is what I do every day on set, on the red carpet for my clients. So I wrote it down. One thing I do want to stress is like the client consultation is even more important now with a wig. Like I, I, it's, it's still important when you have a, like someone in your chair for a regular cut and color. Like it's that consultation and how to get there and making sure you're listening. Yes. I so the one thing that I've learned in my industry is that it is not about me. It is not about me. It is about my client in the chair who looks into that mirror and is like, okay, great. My hair is awesome. I don't have to worry about it. 
Daniel's here so I can do my job because if she's not out there performing in front of the camera or performing on stage, no one's watching. If no one's watching, I'm not getting paid, you know? So that's how I look at it. Like I also, I believe in touching, you know, the head chakra of someone. So like, I don't want all my drama to come out on them. I want them to know I will always be there. I will help them. I'm their support, you know, even though I just do hair, but I'm there for them. Like, And as we are all for our clients, you know, that's the... I'm a firm believer, as is anyone who's ever listened to this podcast before, that it's always about way more than just hair. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And, you know, I think that something that a lot of stylists are going to listen to and be like, huh, this is a really cool kind of part of the industry. I think it's such a great thing that you're offering. And as anyone listening knows, this podcast is all about showcasing all of the different success paths you can take in this industry. It's no longer linear. It's all about shaping your own career and your own destiny. And Daniel, that's exactly what you've done. So yeah, I love it. I love it so much. The awesome podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. I will see you back. Welcome to Hairstylist Rising podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Here, same time, same place next week.